Pizza night. Micah. Micah, what'd I say? Well, the thing says Janie's not here. Oh, oh, she is. Oh, there's Ezra. So, yeah, she's probably here. Janie's wondering if anybody wants them. She doesn't want You can put it up here. Just set it right there by the gospel tracks there. And we broke the one she gave. She gave us one a while back and we broke it. I mean, not on purpose, but. Yeah. It's really out of purpose. We love it. It's a little wobbly. So, we'll just replace the old one with that one. So give Janie a minute to wobble on in here on that wobbly ankle or whatever it is she's wobbling. Um, wobbly period. Do you like our new obstacle? Janie, you can have somebody else pass out the cards if you like. Okay, I'm here. All right, raise your hand and she'll bring you one of those. And onliners, of course, send yours into BBFOhio at protonmail.com. beverage or something? No, I've got them. Okay. They're helpful, but they're not a cure. I know, but I can't cure people. And uh, as you can hear, back from Washington, we have Jenny Allball. Yay! Yeah! Should I make Glad it she there? made it in one piece. Emerald City, is that? Yeah, they call um, Seattle the Emerald City. I didn't know that. She has stories to tell like once you stick around for fellowship afterward. Kind of, like, so hold your questions and comments to the end of our current events update. One, Israel at war, the date 2724, and it's actually day 123. 
since October 7th began the whole ordeal. There are reports out that claim that 32 of those 136 hostages are actually dead. That would be sad to find out, but that's with the I-24 News. It's a website I recommend if you want to get good, accurate information. The Times of Israel is another good one. They reported that uh, a fifth of hostages, uh, 32 to be exact, um, in Hamas captivity are believed to be dead. So um, in the report, anonymous Israeli military officials said 32 confirmed deceased hostages have been informed of their loved one's fate. So that means the families just found out. So that would take it down to 104, if that's the case, and it seems to be. Regardless, negotiations for the release of the remaining 136 with 104 living hostages continue. I'm supposing they've probably buried the dead. I mean, not to be morbid or anything, but you'd have to put them in a freezer otherwise, and uh, I don't know if they even have the ability to do that over there. So, yeah, and if they would care to even do that. So the Gaza ceasefire hostage negotiations are set to renew tomorrow in Egypt. And that's according to Arab reports. So we'll see what's uh, going to happen. Uh, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in Israel on his fifth visit since the start of the war four months ago. So we'll find out more about that. But it would not appear to me that an agreement is near since Hamas is demanding multi-stage, 135-day uh, uh, plan that they have leading to a permanent ceasefire. And I don't think that's on uh, the table with Israel. So uh, we'll leave it there and just continue to keep our eye on it. And uh, number two, Marxist censorship. Setting the stage for Revelation 13, we've been giving you little bits of information that show that the Bible predicts this time when everyone's going to be under the control of the Antichrist and the false prophet and the beast system. And it's all being put into place when it comes to technology. We've talked about the data warehouse storage units going up all over the place, the uh, advanced computer chips like the one called North Pole, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, and the growth of what they're calling artificial general intelligence and so forth. But it's also about control of information. And Tucker Carlson, I don't know if you've seen this, he's being attacked for being a journalist. He went to Russia to interview Putin. And uh, this is the kind of uh, fake news, liberal leftist Marxist response to the news that he's over there. A massive shakeup in Kyiv coming as Putin is trying to court the MAGA GOP in the United States. In fact, one of the leaders of the MAGA GOP is in Moscow tonight. It's the man you see here with the MAGA leader Donald Trump, Tucker Carlson. Possibly there in Moscow to interview Putin. Definitely there as a Putin supporting celebrity. <laughs> Of course, Carlson is now just another far-right conspiracy peddler with a show on the Internet. He's no longer on Fox, as we all know. And he's apparently been spending the last few days in Moscow for some reason. Who knows? We don't know why. He has to stay relevant somehow, so I guess we'll learn in the coming days. Maybe. 
Oh, David, I've got an easy assignment for you. Please unpack yes. the Russian nesting doll that is Tucker Carlson possibly interviewing <laughs> Vladimir Putin. Now, it is unclear if an interview between Putin and Carlson will take place. But if it does, it gives Putin a chance to sit down with a big supporter. Yeah. Yeah, well, when I first heard that he was there, I just assumed he was there to get an award because there probably isn't an American who has done more for Vladimir Putin in the last couple of years. You see what they're doing? They're demonizing a, him. A journalist going there to just interview Putin, he's not going there as a fan. He's not a, a supporter. They're trying to discredit him in every way that every lip-tarded idiot in the country would buy, which would be to paint him up as a MAGA ultra MAGA or whatever. Sadly, folks, most of the people in this country are stupid. So you can just bet, if you were a betting man or woman, that most of the people you and I know outside of our uh, Bible-believing family here and online, outside of that, uh, most of the people will come across buy this stuff. They're being brainwashed and completely programmed. Let's let Tucker explain why he did the interview. We're in Moscow tonight. We're here to interview the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin. We'll be doing that soon. There are risks to conducting an interview like this, obviously. So we thought about it carefully over many months. Here's why we're doing it. First, because it's our job. We're in journalism. Our duty is to inform people. Two years into a war that's reshaping the entire world, most Americans are not informed. They have no real idea what's happening in this region, here in Russia or 600 miles away in Ukraine. But they should know. They're paying for much of it in ways they might not fully yet perceive. The war in Ukraine is a human disaster. It's left hundreds of thousands of people dead, an entire generation of young Ukrainians, and has depopulated the largest country in Europe. But the long-term effects are even more profound. This war has utterly reshaped the global military and trade alliances, and the sanctions that followed have as well. And in total, they have upended the world economy. The post-World War II economic order, the system that guaranteed prosperity in the West for more than 80 years, is coming apart very fast, and along with it, the dominance of the US dollar. These are not small changes. They are history-altering developments. They will define the lives of our grandchildren. Most of the world understands this perfectly well. They can see it. Ask anyone in Asia or the Middle East what the future looks like. And yet the populations of the English-speaking countries seem mostly unaware. They think that as nothing has really changed. And they think that because no one has told them the truth. Their media outlets are corrupt. They lie to their readers and viewers. And they do that mostly by omission. For example, since the day the war in Ukraine began, American media outlets have spoken to scores of people from Ukraine, and they've done scores of interviews with Ukrainian President Zelensky. We ourselves have put in a request for an interview with Zelensky, and we hope he accepts. But the interviews he's already done in the United States are not traditional interviews. They are fawning pep sessions, specifically designed to amplify Zelensky's demand that the U.S. enter more deeply into a war in Eastern Europe and pay for it. That is not journalism. It is government propaganda. Right. Propaganda of the ugliest kind, the kind that kills people. At the same time, our politicians and media outlets have been doing this, promoting a foreign leader like he's a new consumer brand. Not a single Western journalist has bothered to interview the president of the other country involved in this conflict, 
Vladimir Putin. Most Americans have no idea why Putin invaded Ukraine or what his goals are now. They've never heard his voice. That's wrong. Americans have a right to know all they can about a war they're implicated in. And we have the right to tell them about it because we are Americans too. Freedom of speech is our birthright. We were born with the right to say what we believe. That right cannot be taken away no matter who is in the White House. But they're trying anyway. Almost three years ago, the Biden administration illegally spied on our text messages and then leaked the contents to their servants in the news media. They did this in order to stop a Putin interview that we were planning. Last month, we're pretty certain they did exactly the same thing once again. But this time, we came to Moscow anyway. We are not here because we love Vladimir Putin. We are here because we love the United States. And we want it to remain prosperous and free. We paid for this trip ourselves. We took no money from any government or group. Nor are we charging people to see the interview. It is not behind a paywall. Anyone can watch the entire thing, shot live to tape and unedited, on our website, TuckerCarlson.com. Elon Musk, to his great credit, has promised not to suppress or block this interview once we post it on his platform, X, and we're grateful for that. Western governments, by contrast, will certainly do their best to censor this video on other less principled platforms because that's what they do. They are afraid of information they can't control. But you have no reason to be afraid of it. We are not encouraging you to agree with what Putin may say in this interview, but we are urging you to watch it. You should know as much as you can. And then, like a free citizen and not a slave, you can decide for yourself. Amen. Thanks. Amen. So in response, leftists, Dems, neocons, rhinos, both major parties, uniparty, whatever you want to call it, they mock him. This is an example. They put him in front of a Nazi symbols and say, you may not agree with Hitler, but we urge you to hear him. Yeah. One of the best things that could have happened for a lot of Americans would be to have just read his book so they could see that what was happening was part of a plan he had to destroy the Jews, among other things. So that's what real journalists have always done. About 70, 80 years ago, if you were to discuss journalism, take courses on journalism, you would have heard of this lady, Dorothy Thompson. She was known affectionately by her peers as the first lady of journalism. What did she do? This is from one of her bios. Quote, in Munich, Thompson met and interviewed Adolf Hitler. And for the first time in 1931, this would be the basis for her subsequent book, I Saw Hitler. That's what real journalists do. So while criticizing Tucker then... This, they, they, see, they, if you listen to them talk long enough, they show their dishonesty. Yeah. While they're criticizing him, they also whine that Tucker was able to get the interview that they sought after themselves. So they want to criticize him for going and interviewing Putin and now admitting they would have too if he would have sat down with them. Why didn't Putin sit down with him? I think Putin's a devil. Disclaimer. I don't like Putin, but he ain't no dummy. He's not going to sit down in front of the uniparty globalist fake news and do an interview. 
As a matter of fact, I think Trump could learn something from him. I wouldn't sit down with these people and talk to them. They're liars. Here's an example. This guy's from BBC. His name's Steve Rosenberg. He says, interesting to hear Tucker Carlson claim that no Western journalist has bothered to interview Putin since the invasion of Ukraine. We've lodged several requests with the Kremlin in the last 18 months. Always a no for us. Tucker is a traitor and a pawn for interviewing Putin, but they wouldn't have been if they had done it. Yeah. <laughs> I posted, so let's get this straight. Tucker is a traitor to humanity for interviewing Putin, but the BBC has tried to do what he's doing for the last 18 months, but were simply turned down. And that was when I first put it up. I got some responses, mostly actually positive, <laughs> after I posted that response. This is another liberals be like Barbara Walters interviewed him. Journalism. Uh, something poops a lot. He, he interviewed him. Journalism. There's Charlie Rose interviewing journalism, but then when Tucker does it, treason. See what liars these people are? And again, we're not taking sides, just like Tucker said. I believe he feels the same way. There is not a right or good side to this fight between Russia and Ukraine. You know, might be educational for some people to learn this, but sometimes two bad guys fight. Mm -hmm. There isn't always a good guy. Magog, Russia versus Ukraine is how I see it. And uh, it's called the bear, the Russian bear, the enemy of Israel in the Bible. But Ukraine is an ally of Antichrist globalists. And during the war, World War II, there were Nazis. And they're still Nazis. Go look at the leadership of Ukraine right now. They're a bunch of Nazis. They even had tattoos and waved the Nazi flags. And up until it became something we were supposed to support, go back in the archives, go to what they call that, uh, the, the archive.org has a, a web thing where you can go back and look at old sites. Mm -hmm. Can't remember what it's called. But you can actually see the websites as they were like five, ten years ago. And you'll see. All these same news organizations were calling Ukraine Nazis. So censorship is policy now. For the DNC, which is the Democrats, GOP, Republican elites, news media, etc. And the Biden administration has been censoring Americans. It's all out there now for anybody to see. Uh, the White House was flagging posts for Facebook to censor COVID misinformation. Of course, we've documented that many times over the last three or four years. Um, Blaze Media reports the Biden White House successfully pressured Amazon to censor and suppress books. Uh, the emails are now out. Uh, our fellow here in uh, Jim Jordan, our congressman here in Ohio, is putting these out for everybody to read. You can see it for yourself. Then another news story says Amazon censored COVID-19 vaccine books after feeling pressure from Biden White House. There's never been a time where we've had a, an administration successfully 
But even in, in this sense, even attempting to censor books and censor the American people the way this Marxist, leftist, Biden administration is doing. So, again, we're just watching this thing build up, build up, soon and very soon. Amen? Amen. Pray and act accordingly. All right, take a couple questions, comments before we get into the Bible study if you'd like. See anybody's hand up? Yes, Mary? Never mind. <laughs> Never Huh? All right. Okay. Well, let's open with prayer and get into our Bible study. Micah chapter 3. And uh, open with prayer. And ask Brother Doug if you would a Bible study prayer. Yes, sir. Lord, just thank you for, for the time and the time that, that we're in. It's, it's kind of scary, but. It, on the other side, it's very exciting Amen. because we know that we know, we know, we know that that the Lord is going to uh, uh, win. And the yeah. ones that are chosen, that accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior, are, are going up very soon. Amen. And Lord God, I, I hope it's at the end of this uh, this meeting, or uh, it, it can be during this. Amen. 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 Right now, it's better. But uh, Lord, just just thank you for. Uh, pray, pray for Israel and the United States of America and, and uh, pray for all the people that, that are uh, disadvantaged with uh, not not having a roof and shelter and food and, and, uh, and also pray pray for the people that are spiritually starving too and that are bankrupt uh, with the Lord. Yes. Anyhow, we uh, thank you Lord Jesus. Can we pray, pray for Brother Greg to bring out the, uh, some uh, nuggets Amen. All right. So we're getting into Micah chapter 3. Corrupt church and state is what we would call it today. Result in the consequence that there is no answer of God. That's where we'll see this all lead as we go through the first seven verses. And we'll read the have you read with me on the odd? So if you're there, begin with me in verse 1. And I said, Hear, I pray you, O heads of Jacob, and ye princes of the house of Israel, is it not for you to note judgment, who hate the good and love the evil, who pluck off their skin from off them and their flesh from off their bones, who also eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them, and they break their bones and chop them in pieces, as for the pot and as flesh within the cauldron. Then shall they cry unto the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time, as they have behaved themselves ill in their doings. Thus saith the Lord God concerning the prophets that make my people err, that bite with their teeth and cry, Peace! And he that put it not into their mouths, they even prepare war against him. Therefore night shall be unto you, that ye shall not have a vision. And it shall be dark unto you, that ye shall not divine. And the sun shall go down over the prophets, and the day shall be dark over them. Then shall the seers be ashamed, and the diviners confounded. Yea, they shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer of God. 
to men. So Micah described Israel on the path to destruction in this section. Uh, he begins with what we would call reprobation. I just, for a short, simple title of this section, there's no better word for it. Then that results in God's silence. That's verses 4 through 7. Then we're just going to end with a short discussion on the living dead. <laughs> oh, boy. So in the last stages of apostasy, everything in a culture is perverted and flipped on its head. Welcome. Yes. We know we're in the last stages of apostasy. Everything is perverted and flipped on its head, and you, you even find, I don't know if it's a majority, but it's way too many, like Alistair Begg and what he's doing up there in Cleveland, trying to tell everybody to just give up, go to the gay weddings, take a gift, go along like Lot's wife. Jesus said to remember Lot's wife, it wasn't supposed to be a suggestion to live by, it was a warning Alistair Begg, somebody tell him on my behalf, if you like, you are Lot's wife. And all those who follow you are Lot's wife. Amen. What do you think Lot's wife did? She went right along with the Sodomites. And when she was leaving the city, she longed to go back. She turned back in longing for it. Most Christians today would do the same thing. Because they're doing it. They're doing it right now. Yeah. So that's why I say it's uh, reprobation. There's first three verses. Verse 1. And I said, here I pray you, O heads of Jacob, and you princes of the house of Israel. That's the uh, first portion there. Is it not for you to know judgment? Now, heads of state and princes are obligated to know and follow God's law. Do you know the kings of Israel were supposed to actually handwrite the entire Pentateuch and keep a copy then with them at all times? How many of you, you think they actually did that? Very few. Josiah, King David and Josiah, maybe Solomon did, but he put his on the shelf and lost track of it. Hezekiah might have done it. But not very many of the kings did it. And today, how many of your presidents you think know God's law? And I, that includes Donald Trump. I mean, he asked Donald Trump, you know, if he'd ever repented. And he's like, we had a joke. We had a picture of the uh, dog with a Bible going to a door. And he's talking door to door. And a cat comes to the door. And the cat's looking at him and says, repent of what? And that's actually what Donald Trump said when he was asked. So why, what is guiding Trump and why do we support a lot of what he says and does? Because he just happens to go along with a lot of what we believe is right. And then he surrounded himself with a lot of people. Some of them were goofballs like Paula White. But he also had like Mike Huckabee and other people like that around him. And they helped to guide him on a lot of these things. The same thing was with Ronald Reagan. You may not know this, but Reagan knew his Bible. Um, when... And, there's a, uh, I bought a copy of the book a few years ago, but there was a Christian book um, that he read as a young man that stuck with him. And then when he became an adult later, he just, he turned back to God and he credited that book and the Bible with then being his 
you know, guide in life. But because we don't have that kind of leadership, that's why our country is going to hell. Uh, let's look at what it says there in Romans 13. It's been a while since we read it. Romans 13. You should mark this down anytime you're talking about the government. This is one of the main passages for you to be familiar with. Beginning verse 1, it says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. You say, well, what about when they're wicked? God's letting you, as a nation, He's letting you suffer for your own wickedness. I mean, why do you think the Romans were ruled by Caesars? Because it took that kind of a rule to keep them all in check. Because they were wicked, pagans. And then why did they? Why did God allow them to conquer Israel? Because Israel was an apostasy like we're reading about in Micah. Why is it happening to the United States of America now? Because America is wicked. Verse 2, read that. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. There is a place for government. And for the sake of order in society, you and I as Christians, we are to be the best citizens in the country. We should be the most law-abiding citizens in the country unless or until that government demands that we disobey God. Amen. That's when we stop obeying them. But as long as we're not being told to disobey God, we are to obey the law. He says this, verse 3, read that. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God. Go ahead and read it with me. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. That's what, that, that's it. <laughs> that's a, God's plan for government right there. And uh, whenever a government goes against this, these principles and becomes wicked itself, there's two things to keep in mind. And number one is that the vast majority of the people in that country are probably wicked. I don't know of an exception to that. Every time you go and you look at the, the Bolshevik Revolution, the Mao Revolution in China, you know, you go anywhere you see when these wicked governments take over what's happening in America today. Every example it is when the people go away from God, God takes his hands off of that country, that nation, and he allows you to get the kind of leadership you deserve. So when rulers rebel against God's program, the people suffer. And sadly, that includes some good people, decent people, law-abiding people. They suffer. Eleven of the twelve apostles were murdered. They were the cream of humanity. If you're talking about good people, the apostles minus Judas... <laughs> 
They were the best men on the planet. And they suffered, and they suffered martyrdom. And so that's, sadly, that's our lot in this life, folks. That's why we don't store our treasures up on this, in this life on this earth. We store our treasures in heaven. That's where you get the blessings without any death, without any imprisonment, without any torture, without any of that. Most of us in America have gotten through life without any of that. But most Christians throughout history have suffered greatly, either persecution or just suffered because their governments were corrupt and they were impoverished, that sort of thing. Proverbs 29.2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. That's why there's so much mourning in America today. So now verse 2. Who hate the good and love the evil. That's the opposite of what it ought to be. Mm-hmm. Who pluck off their skin from off them and their flesh from off their bones. Some would say this is just a figurative thing, but um, I believe it's both figurative and literal. Both. Um, what do you think we're doing with little unborn children by the millions in America? Even with Roe v. Wade being overturned, half the states in this country enacted abortion laws and they're killing those babies you want a description of what happens in an abortion right there that little baby in the womb is dissolved in a chemical solution and then ripped to pieces by the millions here in America so it's not just figurative no matter what people tell you. And this perversion of good and evil is another parallel study. We talked about how Isaiah in our Sunday school we're studying, and then Micah right here is a lot of parallels. Just one place I want you to read. Go back to a few pages there to Isaiah chapter 5. Beginning of verse 20. Isaiah chapter 5. And this is a great memory verse, isn't it, Jenny? you want a new verse, another verse to add to your memory verses, especially in this day and age, really comes to mind many times. Read 20 through there. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And it goes on then from 21 to 25, it says 21, Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. You talk to these baby-killing leftists and Marxists and everything, and they just think they're so smart. <clears throat> Go read Hillary Clinton's tweets or ex-tweets, whatever they're calling her posts now. She is just the other day posting about how important it is that we defend the right to kill unborn children. And she thinks she is so smart. And when Hillary is burning in hell, she's going to remember those tweets. And she will burn in hell. Not just because she's pro-abortion. She's pro-abortion because she's full of the devil. And because she's never been born again. She's a Christ-rejecting fool. Verse 23. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine. And men of strength to mingle strong drink. Of course, 
This goes with the whole uh, legalization of pot. You know, uh, what we see in the news yesterday, Art Schleicher found again with crack in his car. You know, all these people, they make this money, they get a big reputation. Next thing you know, it's all drunkenness, drugs, and now what's killing most of the kids in this country who are dying right now, fentanyl. Coming across the border because we have evil people in the White House who won't stop the flow of fentanyl and won't stop the sex slave trade. <laughs> Just a, uh, Verse 23, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Uh, verse 24, therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness and their blossom shall go up as dust. Coming soon. Because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Read verse 25. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against His people, and He has stretched forth His hand against them, and has smitten them, and the hills did tremble, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this His anger is not turned away, but His hand is stretched out still. It's exactly a parallel to what we're reading back here in Micah 3. And most of the Christian loved ones we know don't even know that's in their Bible. That's right. And if they carry a Bible, it's some piece of garbage like the NIV and ESV tears out thousands of verses. What a thing. Just think about where you're living right now. The time you're living in. Where even people who profess... To be believers are so foolish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. She's not talking about me, though. No. no. Of course not. No. Not from what we can tell. Hi. Isla's looking at you saying, oh, Hi, Isla. Forgive me, I have to say. <laughs> so... Such perversion ultimately leads to the darkest, most evil conditions, including cannibalism. You do know they're eating people right now. You do know they're taking these little babies they kill and they're putting in them into food. They're putting in them into uh, makeup and other products. Yeah. Over in places like China, they take the less desirable people and they harvest their organs before they're even dead. Whoa. It's happening right now. And most people are totally clueless to it because they don't go to any real news source and so they don't ever hear this stuff. That's what, look at verse 3. Who also eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them. You know what those Hamas did to the Jews when they killed them on October 7th? Ripped their hearts out and took bites out of it. Videotaped themselves doing it. You won't see that on your fake news. They break their bones and chop them in pieces as for the pot and as flesh within the cauldron. And 
the elites devour the people and abuse the people even as the people are themselves backslidden and evil. Most of the people coming across that border down south are wicked people. A lot of them don't care. They, they, they don't care about the fact that they're being used to bring drugs in the country. They don't care that they're even, a lot of them willingly go into the prostitution thinking that they'll make some money. That's what happens when you get to where we are right now in human history of apostasy worldwide. The end result, violent demise of society altogether. We, our founding fathers, I just want to say this for, uh, as Americans, we can be thankful that our founding fathers, not, not a lot of them were Bible-believing Christians, but they believed in biblical morality. They believed in God and insofar as the God of the Bible was their idea of God. They just didn't, a lot of them, believe in the deity of Christ, so they weren't saved. But some of them were. A lot of them were deists, yeah. You want to, this, the same, there was another revolution some of you might not know about. In 1776, when we were having our revolution, Another one was starting over in a place called France. Go read about that revolution. Mm -hmm. The one that was godless, mm -hmm. atheist, closed the churches down, did away with Sunday as a day off or Sabbath, totally godless, and then read about the massive killings, the beheadings by the hundreds, just any single day. You not thought about that in school because they like to pretend that the revolution in France was just a little more violent than ours and it was a product of the Enlightenment, not of God's word, see? Mm. So they want to propagandize the French Revolution and the Enlightenment make you think it was a wonderful thing. It was not a wonderful thing. But that is how they present it. Yeah. I... I was shocked when I found out the true history of the French Revolution. And if it wasn't for having men like George Washington, I mean, most any other men would have just declared themselves dictator and taken over the country. And uh, Thomas Jefferson, who was kind of the opposite of Washington's politics, but yet they believed in biblical principles. That's where they, they get the idea of the... Uh, three branches of government to keep each other in check is because they believed in the inherent sin of man. Right. They, didn't believe they believed in the depravity of man and that man had to be checked with gridlock. Otherwise, you'd get what we're getting today where they passed bills without even reading them. <laughs> this happened during the Babylonian siege, literally, verse 3. This actually happened in 586 to about 588 to 586 during the 18 month siege of Jerusalem and again 40 years after Jesus ascended to heaven 70 AD I guess it's closer to 40 years from the beginning of his ministry but after he ascended to heaven 70 AD God gave him about almost 40 years if you count from the beginning of Jesus ministry to 70 AD 
God gave them 40 years to take and receive their Messiah. And they didn't, and they didn't, and they didn't, and finally God gave them over. The Roman general Titus came down, sacked the city of Jerusalem, and uh, they began resorting to cannibalism in both instances. Just like the Bible says. And when the dust settled, God goes silent. After uh, this happened in Babylon, what did they do? They came back down and got in the land, but we have a 400-year silence before Jesus comes. After Jesus ascends, he gives us, during that, up until 70 AD, he gives us Paul's epistles, and then he gives us uh, just one one or two books, the book of Revelation being one of those, after 70 AD. And then he's silent, been silent ever since. Until after the rapture. And then 144,000 wildcats. <laughs> the virgins of uh, Israel, Revelation 7. But he's silent and he lets the wicked suffer the consequences of their own choices. And that's what we'll look at verses 4 through 7. I'm going to deal with some things. I'll have to move quickly, but I, it says in verse 4, the first part of the verse, Then shall they cry unto the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time. <clears throat> that flies in the face of what most preachers teach and most people believe today. But it says right there, that even what they're not dead yet, and God says, I'm not going to hear them. I'll hide my face from them. We'll come back to that as we continue. And then the rest of that verse, actually should be 4b, as they have behaved themselves ill in their doings. This is talking about the religious and political leaders. And we talk, we talk more seems like over the last three or four years, we've talked much more about the relig or the uh, political leaders and all the corruption because that affects us so directly. As far as we're concerned, the religious apostasy, I mean, we're not letting it in these walls. And if you're not letting it in your home, and you're not letting it in your head, then the religious apostasy doesn't affect you quite as directly as the political corruption. But it does today include respected teachers among evangelicals. So back in Micah's day, it would have been the priesthood and the so-called prophets. Today, it includes people like John MacArthur. Now... I can, I, I'm just going to tell you, there's no way I'm going to have a net worth of millions of dollars. Not, I'm, not, I'm saying even if millions of dollars come in, if I were to sell books and make millions of dollars, I'm not going to have a net worth of millions of dollars. I'm not letting that money sit in the bank account in my name. It's going to go to some use for God's glory. I wouldn't tell you what I'm doing with it. It would just go there. For all you know, I may have made millions of dollars. <laughs> but I wouldn't come in here tooting my horn. But I guarantee you, I wouldn't hoard up $20 million like John MacArthur. 
And I put a big red S there because they say house, but he's got numerous houses. His, he bought one in the 80s. It's now worth $1.5 million on a couple of acres there in California. Five bedrooms, four baths, nice. Bed. All right, tennis court. Okay, okay. But then in 1996, he got another home in California. Three bedrooms, two and a half baths. It's next to a world-class golf course where he does his best studying, I suppose. <laughs> and it's near the beach. Then he acquired his largest home in 2007. It's located in Colorado Springs. It's a small little place with seven bedrooms and seven and a half baths. When you see people living like that, they're serving mammon, and you'll see their doctrine go to the pits. In your Hebrew commentary, you state that we are redeemed, quote, not by his bleeding, but by his dying. Do you still stand by that, and why? Yeah, wouldn't, we're not saved by his bleeding, because it uh, wouldn't have done any good if he just bled. This was a big controversy years ago, and people... Uh, some people who were enemies of me decided to fabricate all kinds of strange things and we got kicked off 55 radio stations and all because they said I denied the blood of Christ. Uh, well, look, if Jesus had just bled, nobody would be saved. Uh, the wages of sin is not bleeding, the wages of sin is death. And uh, people must understand that it's not the bleeding of Jesus and it's not the blood of Jesus. To speak of the blood of the cross the blood of the cross is to simply speak of the efficacious, substitutionary, sacrificial death of Christ. Do I think he had to, to, to actually die, uh, actually bleed? No, not to save us, but to fulfill the Old Testament picture. Somebody suggested that I might have thought he could be bludgeoned to death. Well... I suppose if God had decided that's the way he would die, it would be fine. But the pattern and the picture of the shedding of blood was in the whole Old Testament sacrificial system. And as the fulfillment of the final lamb, he fit that model and that pattern. But we are not saved by his blood. There's a, there's a weird theology that floats around that people have that turned the blood into a fetish. And they actually believe that, and, and I've dealt, tried to deal with this, with some people who accuse me of denying the blood that, Somehow God collected all the actual blood of Jesus. Yes, I believe Collected it all. Around the foot of the cross, put it in a bowl and took it to heaven. And it's up in heaven sitting on a mercy seat. And every time somebody's saved, it's dumped out and recollected. And then dumped out again and recollected. Of course, this is wacky kind of theology. He's a liar. There's nothing magic in Jesus' blood. Magic. I mean, just teach us to try to think that through, right? That's There's how liars talk. In his blood or his saliva or any other saliva. part of the fluids of the human body. I don't need to get too graphic here. I mean, what, what we're talking about is his death. And blood is a euphemistic way to refer to his death, particularly when you realize the, the blood shed that occurred there. So I'm, I'm not saying yeah, anything different words. than Orthodox wow. Christianity has said. For its entire history. He's alive. We're not saved by his bleeding or by his blood as a fluid, but by his death. I want you to hear the whole thing because too many times Christians get a little clip and they get a wrong idea. You heard the whole thing. 
Yeah. He misrepresented the whole argument. No one says only the blood saved us. He did have to die. Yes. And he misrepresented. You heard him say it's not the blood. He had to die. He had to do both. Yes. He had to die shedding his blood. Amen. And he misrepresented the argument several times during that thing. And uh, no one believes they're up here in heaven dumping and collecting and dumping and collecting the blood. <laughs> And why bring up the saliva and other things when no one I know brings that up? That's how liars argue. They bring up all kinds of things that have nothing to do with the discussion in order to defray or uh, just to yeah, de distract you from the reality. The Bible says, for the life of the flesh is in the want. Then in Matthew 26, 28, Jesus Christ said, for this is my blood, not this is my death. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for, the, for uh, many for the remission of sins. Then in Colossians 1.14 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. But MacArthur's corrupt Bibles, his ESV, take out those words from the Bible. Through his blood is gone from his ESV, his uh, NIV or whatever new version they're using. And then Hebrews 9.22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, blood and without shedding of blood is no remission. So he doesn't have any payment for his sin. It's downright scary. It is scary. Then yet, uh, just another example, Billy Graham, when he died, he was worth $25 million. $25 million. Look what it says down the bottom. That would rank Graham as one of America's eight richest pastors. Beliefnet.com reported Graham's estimated $25 million net worth is equal to that of guess who? Rick Warren. Rick Warren. Wow. Oh, lower than Joel But lower than Joel Osteen of $40 million. And listen to this. Kenneth Copeland is worth $760 million. Wow. Can you imagine being so stupid that you'd send a dime to Kenneth Copeland? And they do every year. Millions and millions and millions are sent to him. And he got on TV begging for millions of dollars to buy a jet when he's got 760 already. But what about those faiths, the Mormons and the others that you mentioned, believe in Christ? Love of money they will believe you, they will right meet here, Christ. What about those like the Jews, the Muslims, who don't believe as That's you believe? That's in God's hands. I can't be the judge. You don't judge them? No. No, How I do you feel you're when going to hell and you're... How do you feel when you see a lot of these strong Christian leaders go on television and say, you are condemned, you will live in hell if you do not accept Jesus Christ? And they, they are forceful and judgmental. Well, uh, they have a right to say that, and they are, they are true to a certain extent, but I don't, that's not my calling. My calling is to preach the love of God and the forgiveness of God and the fact that he does forgive us. That's what the cross is all about, what the resurrection's all about. That's the gospel. And you can get off on all kinds of different side trails. And uh, when I, in my earlier ministry, I did the same. Tell me, what do you think is the future of Christianity? I think everybody that, that loves Christ or knows Christ, whether they're conscious of it or not, they're members of the body of Christ. And that's what God is doing today. He's calling people for, out of the, the world for his name, whether they come from the Muslim world or the Buddhist world or the Christian world or the 
non-believing world, uh, they are members of the body of Christ because they've been called by God. They may not even know the name of Jesus, but uh, they know in their heart that they need something that they don't have, and they turn to the only light that they have, and I think that they are saved, and they're going to be with us in heaven. This is fantastic. I'm so thrilled to hear you say that. There's a wideness in God's mercy. There is. There definitely is. You've you, you got to let everybody hear what I'm, I'm praying. Now, why am I doing that? Did you hear what he said at the end while you're moaning? He's talking about the wideness of God's grace. When Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Mm -hmm. Let me go back to that. Uh, I, I read it too slow. And then uh, beware. The next verse then says, Beware of false prophets. After Jesus warns that the wide gate is to destruction. The narrow is the life, just like Billy said there. Then the next verse says, beware of false prophets. Why? Because false prophets preach the wide way. Why? Because that gets them a bigger audience, which ends up with bigger offerings. The love of money, the love of money is the root of all evil. The new versions water it down. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money is the root of all But evil. what about those? I want to show you this one. Here's another one. Bill Gothard, his name's come up among us two or three times. He's a creep. He was amassing millions of dollars when some young women came out and said that he had been sexually abusing them. He was on his way to making millions more, and he was exposed. The first headlines came out that 10 women accused him of rape and sex abuse. Later, another six, but I believe it was a total of 18. He was tied. How many of you watched the Duggars? What's it called? 19 and counting. Yeah. They raised their kids on... Bill Gothard's stuff. And one of their boys turned out to be a molester. And then what did they do? They sent him to his institute where he got into even more of that stuff. 18 people have filed a complaint against Bill Gothard and the institute and basic black principles, including six new women, according at the time of this report. One woman, Jennifer Spurlock, claimed she was sexually abused by Gothard for years as a teenager. Daniel Dorsett, one of Gothard's drivers, claims in court filings that between 94 and 96, he saw the minister abuse more than 150 girls. David Gibbs of the Christian Law Center, he's a very uh, respected uh, man who represents Christians legally, he said, quote, it's like Bill Cosby. It continues to grow with more and more people coming forward, end quote. And listen, whenever a guy stands up there and says that his teachings, he calls them laws. Everything he taught, when he, he would say he'd come up with something, he would call it a law. And it was a key. 
It was a principle. It was Bill Gothard's opinions. And what he developed was a very cult-like control that he then taught families to adopt. The man was never married. He never had kids. And he's telling you how to raise your children. Christians have been covering up for this guy now for years. They're as bad as the Roman Catholic Church. And what happened? Bill started making millions of dollars and started hoarding the money up. And what are we told? Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their what? I would say blaspheming the blood of Christ and calling Christians slaves like MacArthur, denying that Jesus is the only way to heaven like Billy Graham, and fondling hundreds possibly of underage girls by, like Bill Gothard are all warnings enough. Not, I know hardly anybody in this room has got to worry about becoming a millionaire, but we should be very wary of religious leaders becoming multimillionaires and hoarding that money up. They're now serving mammon. They made him step down from his ministry, by the way, and so he just went out and started his own again. Started his own website and everything. He's about 87, I think, now, or something like that. So that's what we're told here. When you have apostasy, you get bad political leaders and you get apostate religious leaders. And they will be ill in their doings and the people will continue to support them. That's when you know you're in apostasy. When the people won't even stand up and say, enough. I put out that Billy Graham video a number of years ago and was disowned by people. They couldn't tell me a single thing in the video that was not true. That includes childhood friends disowned me. And I don't care. If you'll follow scumbags like that, See ya. Doug? Where did Billy Graham start, start uh, swaying off? The- 1940s. Sure. Yeah, go back. His Decision Magazine, he put in there that he thought that people could get to heaven without being saved by the blood of Christ and following Jesus Christ. If they were just good people, they didn't even have to know Jesus. It's in a 1940s Decision Magazine. But he's, he's slick and he knew he couldn't come out and say that in his crusades. And then later on, he thought he could get by with it. It cost him some when he did this stuff, but you know, most people just followed him. So verse 5 continues, Thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that make my people err. I just showed you three. That bite with their teeth and cry, Peace! And he that putteth not into their mouths, they even prepare war against him. Talking about they're fighting against God. And they're actually fighting against uh, God's will and God's word. As we see today, the masses of professing believers follow liars, heretics, and thieves. They want it. They love it. (laughs) Number one, Joel Osteen of Lakewood Church. Texas televangelist Joel Osteen lives in a 15,700 square foot home in Houston appraised at almost $12 million. 
The Lakewood Church pastor's house is also estimated to be worth more than $14 million. Number 2. David Turner In 2016, faith healer David Turner bought Tyler Perry's home for $17.5 million, which he later sold to TV host Steve Harvey. In 2021, Turner purchased a Florida beach house with spectacular views of the Gulf of Mexico for $7.5 million, which is now estimated at $8.9 million. Number 3. Jesse Duplantis Televangelist Jesse Duplantis lives in a 3,500-square-foot parsonage owned by Jesse Duplantis Ministries. As the mansion was being constructed, the St. Charles Herald Guide reported it had 22,039 square feet of living space, in addition to 12,947 square feet of outdoor patios and garages. <laughs> Number 4. Benny Hinn In Dana Point, California, lies Benny Hinn's 2001 home, which is now estimated to be worth up to $9.2 million. Benny and Suzanne Hinn also own a home in Florida valued at $672,000 by the county appraiser, with its real value estimated at more than a million dollars and as much as $1.4 million. Number 5. Pastor Greg Laurie Harvest Christian Fellowship Pastor Greg Laurie also owns a multi-million dollar home in California, which is currently valued at $3.7 million. Number 6. Greg Surratt of Seacoast Church Greg Surratt, founder of Seacoast Church and president of the Association of Related Churches, is the owner of a lakefront home in South Carolina, estimated to be worth up to $2.5 million. Number 7. Keith Moore of Faith Life Church Keith Moore, pastor of Faith Life Church in Sarasota, Florida, and Branson, Missouri, has a parsonage in Florida worth $4.5 million and a beach house worth almost $2.5 million. Number 8. Stephen Furtick of Elevation Church Stephen Furtick of Elevation Church owns a 1,600-square-foot home worth $1.7 million. The pastor was open about the house, which he described as 8,400 square feet of heated living area, and the rest comprising of basement, attic, garage, and porch space. Yeah. Number 9. T.D. Jakes, Lead Bishop of the Potter's House After Bishop Jakes moved to Fort Worth, he purchased this 14,014,045-square-foot mansion for $5.5 million in December 2004. The estate features four bedrooms and seven bathrooms, including two partial baths, and sits on 17.8 acres of land. Number 10. Creflo Dollar, founder of World Changers Church International. Creflo Dollar's $3.4 million house is in the outskirts of Atlanta, Georgia, in a suburb named Fayetteville. In the 182.9 acres of property, there is a 17,017-square-foot home that has a large circular driveway in the forecourt and an impressive entranceway and is surrounded by a large fence and stone walls with a backyard having a pool and large fountain. When men serve mammon, they do not serve God. They cannot serve God. Matthew 6, 24. 
No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and man. So every time you see these guys getting off into money, they're going to get off into other things. Materialism, sex, drugs, you name it. And verse 6, Therefore night shall be unto you, that ye shall not have a vision. And it shall be dark unto you, that ye shall not divine. And the sun shall go down over the prophets, and the day shall be dark over them. You rarely hear God's word being taught or preached in such times of spiritual darkness. Just go out and listen or watch what's on Christian television and you'll learn about this much Bible, if that. That's just your evidence for today. But in, uh, all these guys have one thing in common. Their day is coming. Verse 7. Then shall the seers be ashamed and the diviners confounded. Yea, they shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer of God. I wouldn't trade places with any one of those fools for all of their money times, I say one million, you could put a hundred million. I, don't, I wouldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't put me in their shoes. I don't want to stand in their shoes on judgment day. No. No, no way. Mm -mm. Such false teachers and their followers are both spiritually dead and cut off. By God, look at that's how the verse ends. For there is no answer of God. That's where you go if you're the leader or the follower. Jesus warned the blind will lead the blind into the ditch. The blind is the false teacher. The blind following them into the ditch is the follower. And the popular teaching that God will hear and answer you right up to your final breath is not completely true. We've talked about it before, and that's the living dead. I'm going to stop there because we went long. That's where we'll pick up next time. We'll start with the living dead in our discussion. Doug? They, they all have, have their, uh, their... Their reward. Their uh, uh, heaven for now. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, it's what? Hell. Right. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. So this. Close in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time and your word. We pray that we will have discernment and be willing to walk according to your word and not follow the false leaders, to warn others of the false teachings, to stand for the true word of God in our King James Bible. And Lord, if it came down to it, maybe just on the job or among family or wherever it is, that if we have to, we would be willing to stand alone with you. And that uh, possibility becomes even more likely with each passing day. So we ask that you to give us that kind of strength spiritually, not by power nor by might, but by thy spirit, saith the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, let's go on down to cover that next week and get to the song we're going to sing. Stand, if you will. Stand if you can. Yeah. <laughs> Leave us, Jane. Jane Miller.
Jamie will collect those prayer cards from those in the house. Those online will be looking for yours. We've already got two or three online. As we, well, that's what I do. I put that in the wrong place. Say goodbye to the onliners on three. One, two, three. See you here, there, or in the air. Bye, everybody.